My goodness me. Here it is. Predictable. Well choreographed. Perfectly rehearsed. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of Grassroots, the only podcast focused solely on the women's club rugby game. In this crossbar challenge of an episode, we discussed the Grassroots Festival, how it went, what we learnt, and why it's never a good idea to share a room with Lou. Sherry gets lost on the way to Aberdare, puts her boots back on, and takes another Aldi off the list. We meet a fan, and we look forward to the new season. 22 months out with a triple B operation. She runs in, tries for fun. Lou. She has got a remarkable strike rate. And I'm Jodie. The forward who can't stop scoring. I'm Molly. The cannonball coming through. And I'm Matt. This is Grassroots. Yet again, Katie Hyrene on Saturday night went out, got into town, and then she appeared with a pizza. Yes, I had the full lowdown from Katie in Aldi, actually, yesterday. Literally, <laughs> hadn't even stepped out of the car. She's like, going for a pizza. Like, what? We've just got into town. Yep, going for a pizza. She said um, she couldn't eat anything before the match or after match. And then I said, so did you have five pizzas after? She's like, yep. I did. Yeah, and we resaw said pizza on the studio floor. Oh. No, on the actual studio floor. No. Yeah, yeah, but I told the bouncer that Casey was pregnant. <laughs> and that's why she was being sick. <laughs> oh, my God. How many times have you heard that, though? Yeah, but she just also downed three Jaeger bombs, so I don't think my story... <laughs> three Jaeger bombs and five pizzas. No wonder she was sick. And a pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear nothing changes. Oh, good time. Matt, have you finished your scrum now? I have. I've absolutely, I've, I've demolished it. So I'm probably going to get the hiccups in a minute. So, followed by indigestion. Bloody hell, lose. Have you got rid of your indigestion from the weekend or heartburn? A goose, I owe you money for the, the secret tablets that cured me. You're welcome. I was glad to be of assistance. I'm I'm taking them just in case I've got extended heartburn from the weekend. God, I thought I needed an extended. Well, I don't even know what I needed after Saturday. I was absolutely broken. I was in a world of pain and emotional turmoil. What, this weekend as well? Oh, this weekend. No, I just about got over it by this weekend, I think. Yeah. I mean, where do we even start about the weekend that was with grassroots? Crazy. I've got no words. I have to just say this before I go because I can't spend much time on the recording tonight. But when I got back, I went and got on a big sesh with cats. <laughs> I got constantly night <laughs> as well. Was that to detox from shares? The difference was that I'd only drunk at the weekend and not played rugby. So I was only battling multiple hangovers. I wasn't battling multiple hangovers and injuries and general rugby busts. So, yeah. It's difficult to know where to start, isn't it? I guess, what were your expectations before going, Molly, when you kind of got in the car on Friday at five o'clock and still managed to beat us to Devon, <laughs> even though we left at five hours earlier? <laughs> what were you expecting? What did you think it was going to be like? I don't know, really. Like like we said, we didn't know anyone, which was kind of cool, but then also really daunting. And then you shafted me with Q&A, so I was nervous about that. But then I was like, oh, it'll be fine. There'll only be like 10 people in there. I don't really know, like all the pod people seemed really cool, but I didn't get excited until we actually woke up on Saturday morning after eating lasagna at 11.20 at night. But yeah, like I was excited, but definitely apprehensive because we don't really see anyone else. We just talk to our screens, don't we? And talk absolute shite. It's kind of weird meeting people that only know us through the pod as well. That was weird. But also only know us by voice. So people were actually, so, oh, 
you, oh, so you're so and so going on our voice, not our looks, which is really weird. Yeah, that was very strange. And I guess until people actually turned up and you realised they were there to play in the grassroots team, I still had this nagging doubt that nobody would turn up. There'd be like a massive accident on the M5 or people wake up and just think, no, nah, not today. And I just had this horrible feeling it was going to be a massive anticlimax and there'd be half a team and Fiona would turn up and there'd just be an absolute car crash of, of rugby. It couldn't have been further from the truth really, could it? You had a lot of fear about it and a lot of worry because you'd done a lot of the organising but the reality was very different yeah I think I was just like blown away when we arrived I mean like my favorite moment was Sarah seeing us when we arrived and then saying bye to us when we left because it was just like we'd known each other for years and we were just yeah it was crazy like she was like Matt Lou Judy like you're all here and it but what a fucking weekend, guys. I, th- I don't Like Lou said, I don't know if I was more broken from the hangover or the rugby or both, <laughs> but the emotional, everything we'd done. And Matt, I know he said it on Saturday while you were lap dancing random people. It was just kind of like, oh my God, we did it. Like we started out in a pub talking about shite. We continue to talk about shite on the podcast and people want to listen. And we cover like really difficult issues, but we also cover really funny stuff and people want to listen to it. And some people that's their favorite part of the week when they get the pod come out and i I just think that's pretty cool yeah absolutely i think until you actually see their faces it's hard to believe that you've actually got listeners other than the people that you know that listen and obviously we get the old message and you know there's been some really great feedback to the pod over the year over the year or so but to actually see people's faces and actually also the other cool thing i found was that everyone's a rugby person everyone's a player or interested in the sport in some capacity the thing that people there with our shirts on representing a team that we just invented as an idea playing against an actual rugby team in an actual rugby club and then you know seeing Launceston turn up in the kit that they got because of our podcast and meeting all those girls and um, their coaches and just everybody being so just up for a great day of rugby that was really special and I think again the actual quality of the rugby was outrageous given our team had never played together before. We hadn't even met each other. We looked like we met each other an hour before the kickoff. It was crazy. We could have been dog shit as well, but we really weren't. No. Like we were, it was just really good to know that the people were outside on your shoulder. And the only thing that you had in common is that we all talk or listen on the pod and we had the same kit on. Yeah, apart from the ground being fucking rock hard, <laughs> you know, and the heat, it was very, very hot. It was, it was emotionally draining though after when you think back to it, think, oh my God, we actually... We achieved all of this and it was just started out in the Rifleman or wherever it was. Totally. What about you, Goose? So you, you know, you've had your foot in two, um, two camps in a sense and you've been a listener and you've also been a player with Molly and Jody and, and so on. But you've also got that massive connection with Devon in that area as well. So what was it like for you? I think emotionally overwhelming. I think Molly asked me to be captain at the start of the day, which near enough had me in tears before I'd even stepped onto the pitch. I had numerous fangirl moments during the day. I had to pinch myself. I had one of those like outer body experiences where I was merrily just trotting along on the wing and I looked inside me and the rush was next to me. And it was like, what is going on? And I caught myself kind of just standing watching and forgetting that I was actually there to play a rugby game. It was unreal. And to have all my family there, including both my grands, one who's 92, one who's 84, who have never watched a game of rugby before in their life. And they had the best day ever. My gran even got me to sign my program like I was some sort of celebrity. So yeah, it was just 
hats off to you all and hats off to Sarah Exercise. Big shout out to her because the work they put in at their end to pull this event together, it was just, it was unbelievable. I'm really still got massive grassroots jet lag from missing the event and what happened because it was just, it was unbelievable. It's like right up there with like one of the best days of my life, really. Oh yeah, I, I can echo that. I think again, massive, massive shout out to to Sarah and to Joey as well. Because I mean, Joey, you know, uh, for, for lots and ladies, she loaded her partner's van full of tables and chairs uh, to bring to the event. They had to come quite a long way. She got an entire team there. You know, she was you know well up for it and took a massive part in the organisation of the day. And also like little touches. So we had a raffle, and all of her team had like wrapped up all of the raffle presents in really nice paper with little bows on and things like that. And it just made it feel really special. And nobody asked them to. It wasn't like they were getting paid for it or anything. It was just something they just wanted to do to make the day successful. So meeting those guys for me was a massive highlight because pulling into the car park at Exercise, I was nervous as hell. First person I saw was Sarah, massive hug. And it was like, we've been mates forever. We'd never actually met in the flesh. Had a couple of Zoom conversations. She'd been on the pod and it was just lovely, lovely, lovely experience. It was similar like playing in the the Nomads team, apart from obviously playing alongside Molly and Jody and Chez says, like never played rugby with any of these girls before, but we, we rocked up, we pulled on a kit and we didn't look out of place on a rugby pitch. You would have thought we'd played together. We hadn't even had a training session together, but that's just the true, I don't know, the true essence of grassroots rugby. You can turn up with 15 other strangers that you've never met before, pull on the most amazing rugby kit I've ever played in and play two really decent games of rugby. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was fantastic. It was brilliant. So good. And Jody, I'm going to have to call you out on this, right? So I've been watching you play rugby now for quite a few years, and I've seen you play extremely well in parts. And you know, you've always been famous for making big tackles um, and a few good carries here and there. But I think you'll be the first to admit that you're a little bit streaky as a player. But watching yeah. you play for the Grassroots Nomads and then for Exeter Saracens, and look like a player that's played way above the level you have was pretty impressive. I actually was one point when you, how do we describe that? Try assist. So do you want to talk us through it? You can talk us through it, Jody, because I was about 10 points in by this point. So <laughs> my memory's a little cloudy. First, thank you very much. I appreciate uh, you saying that because I feel like my game has improved tenfold since the end of last season. And we only played like three games. But yeah, because I'd accidentally quite badly injured some of the Saracens players. They were a bit down for their game against Launceston. So they were like, we need some extra players. Like, oh, okay, let's make up for it by giving them a hand after killing their players. Fullback for the very first time, which was new to me. Wasn't sure really what to do. Yeah, so Launceston kicked the ball over and I was like, ah, oh, better go get that, aren't I? Usually, give it a year ago I would have made my way over there casually let it bounce a few times then picked it up I thought you know what I'm going to catch it as it comes down grabbed it ran around the defence was being chased managed to pass it off before being tackled and they gave a good little score which I'm very happy about because it's the only try that Exeter managed to get for the whole tournament and I'm like yes yes thank you I think you you undersold that a little bit there Jodie to be fair really? you missed off the the hip swerve the handoff. <laughs> the, the slightly delayed p- pass, then the beautifully weighted into the basket offload, all whilst being done at full tilt. It was pretty special. Thank you very much. If only I could have done that for the uh, grassroots team, then I think I would have been a little bit happier. But I'll take that. 
Absolutely. I mean, to be fair, you owed Exeter Saris after completely annihilating several of their players. Yeah, they got completely run over by Jody. It was pretty impressive <laughs> to watch, I have to say. I'm glad you were on my team. But yeah, you like you destroyed some of their players, Jody. It was just insane. I was trying to go a bit easy on them. I did try, but she was running straight at me and I couldn't. Yeah, and Jody, and what was the update that you had about the one that you, you ploughed into that's ended up in hospital having God knows what done to her knee to put it back where it was before she met you. She so. got Jodie. <laughs> got Jodie. <laughs> and normally when people get Jodie, they don't end up in quite so much pain. Sometimes they end up with a smile on their face, to be fair, but Just getting Jodie on the rugby pitch is not a pleasant experience. I do kind of feel a bit bad because when we went down to Exeter, they spent loads of time and effort putting on a, an amazing day. The aftermath of the, the day and the night was going to take some tidying up, let's be honest. And we inadvertently ruined a couple of their squad members for the start of the season. So, Exeter, we're really sorry, but thanks. <laughs> we'll see you again team. next year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that struck me as well, right? So, like, first of all, Polly, you did such an amazing job with the Q&A. So, I was a bit nervous about that because... Like, <laughs> me too, Matt. Me fucking too. <laughs> so, Four pints and I felt like, yeah, I can do it. It's fine. Yeah. So for the listeners, so the Q&A session was, was, was Victoria Rush, Steph Evans, who's been a bit of a celebrity on the rugby circuit these days, uh, Garnet McKinder, who's ex-Exeter Chiefs. What position did she play? Exeter Chiefs player anyway. It was in the um, back. And then we gave Fiona Bryant, what, 30 seconds notice, something like that? I kind of might have slipped my mind possibly to tell her that we planned to involve her in the panel conversation <laughs> and we just literally hoiked her out of a chair and put her on a stool and that's probably what getting on for a hundred people in the room it was just really fun it was like a really good session and what i expected to happen was there'd be a few questions like it, it would fizzle out a little bit but actually it was like full of banter wasn't it it was really good it was fun. i loved it polly did an amazing it. job hats off to your mole because you smashed it that was it was just it was funny. It was just really funny to stand there and listen to them. Yeah. yeah. And we asked the Rush about her fanny flannel. <laughs> we did. But her shower etiquette is pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Although I don't know if she actually showered after our game, which is a bit concerning. She did shower, but inside her. Um, um, I didn't ask Steph whether she had any um, face masks that we could have borrowed whilst we were in the shower. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was really good. And I thought there were some really good questions and... They were like they were great, weren't they? All of them. And Fiona really embraced it, even though she was bullied into it. <laughs> we definitely need to do more of them. Definitely, um, I definitely say to any players out there listening that if your club's given the option to do one of these sessions with the No Women No Try Gang, get involved. If there's an opportunity to go to a different club and you know take part in it, it's well worth the money. They're, they're really really good sessions. It's great to meet these people that are doing such a great job in the game to not just spread the word but actually grow it as well. So, um. Matt, in yes. terms of obviously your organisational skills, because I feel like no one ever asks you about how you feel about things, what was the most challenging thing about organising the grassroots day? That's a great question. I know I'm a pro now. What can I you say? You are a pro, yeah. I think it was tempering the ambition to try and do something amazing with making sure something was practically going to work and also like commercially viable. I think that was quite challenging at one point where we realised that putting on a day like this is great, but it doesn't, it's not for free. And if people hadn't turned up or if the facilities hadn't been great or the weather had been really poor or something like that, then it mm -hmm. could have been a bit of a damp squib, quite literally. But also the impact would have been on Exeter 
um, more than everybody yeah. else. And that I found that really challenging because there's a lot of pushback from their committee initially. They're really unsure about it because, you know, we hear this in clubs all the time. They put on events in the past. People haven't turned up. People haven't bought tickets. People have left really early and gone into town, that kind of stuff. Um, so they were naturally quite reluctant to, to put anything behind it. So we kind of persuaded them and I had a session, a, a Zoom conversation with, with their committee and so on. And I felt a lot of pressure, uh, you know, to make sure that it works. But beyond that, nothing really. I think, you know, Sarah did the, the heavy lifting. But what it's really given me, though, is a massive sense of ambition for doing something like that again. Because I just felt the whole thing was really joyful. Like I, I came away from it just feeling high, you know, like really high. Like having met some amazing people, having seen a great day of rugby, just having experienced something that was of our making, I suppose. And I, th- I thought it made me feel really proud and really just happy. And I think the more we can do that, the better. Because it seemed like everybody that got involved in the day just came away with the same experience. Yeah, I agree. And social media has just, well, it erupted, as Jodie alluded to the other night. The amount of people that have now followed us or shared our posts and said, yeah, we'd love to get involved next year. It's a really safe space because we're not trying to be an elite tournament. And that's sometimes what you get when you go to sevens or go to tens or things like that over the summer. And I think it gave everyone an opportunity, like everyone played, everyone enjoyed it. You know, we had the crossbar challenge at the end. It was just really, really inclusive. And if people wanted to get drunk, they could get drunk. And if they didn't, they could just watch Matt get drunk. And (laughs) it was, you know, like I, I just thought it was a really positive day. And Lou, I know you've got to go in a second, but watching... What was it like? I just feel like it was a little bit of a different experience for me than it was for you guys because obviously I didn't have as much input in the organisation of it for obvious reasons, just started a new business and, and didn't really have an awful lot of time. So I kind of just felt like I just rocked up and was there to have a great time. But I know I'm involved in it, obviously, and I felt very much included. I just... Honestly, I got the same feeling as Matt and Sherry and everybody else at just sort of driving to Exeter Surrey's five minutes before we got there, well, half an hour before we got there, just like, wow, can't believe this is actually happening. From just what started as just chatting shit round the table with a pint in a random pub about things we're really passionate about rugby and now this what I mean like what the heck it just like seeing this enormous thing that's happened from well I don't even know where so from a spectator point of view obviously I didn't play rugby I wanted to but also it was ridiculously hot and the lager was very cold so just was astounded by the quality of the rugby and like you said Molly rugby players who've never met before never played before you literally met within a few minutes put some shirts on got on the pitch played rugby wow you just kind of gelled uh, and it was really fun rugby to watch there were lots of fun bits about it as well it wasn't taken too seriously so it was taken seriously as in the rugby part but also there was a jug of lager being carried on for hydration purposes and the refs <gasps> took some conversion kicks which didn't go over but it was a bit of fun and she still gave the a tra- oh, a yeah. conversion though didn't she <laughs> yeah she gave herself the conversion yeah <laughs> so you know so it was taken seriously but not seriously I just thought everybody was so friendly there's not many places in your life where you can just turn up to somewhere and chat to anybody and they're really kind and friendly and you can just chat about anything but you've got a common interest 
I just find that one of my most favourite things about rugby, actually. Well, life, actually. There's not many places you can go to and that that's the thing. Um, and I just, as sort of a sideline person with the whole organising of it, I just wanted to sort of say thank you to everybody, the grassroots team, and everybody behind it all, there's been a few very key players in in just literally mobilising troops for everything. And I just, wow, just totally blown away. Absolutely. And I just cannot wait for the next one. I don't know how we're going to do it. It's going to be very difficult to try and pull it off and it to be as good. But I think we know what works now. And I think all of the team that played in the grassroots team would be up for another game. I feel like it's some unfinished business on the pitch as well. Although I do actually blame uh, Viona Brunt for this because at 10 all against Launceston in a very physical match, the referees started taking the conversions. We knew if we'd have one conversion, we'd have won and they'd therefore be unbeaten and all this sort of stuff. But when you see a referee still out to take a conversion, you know, A, it's grassroots and B, it's a good chance she's, she's going to miss. Yeah, there was no doubt really. But we've got TikTok evidence that we all wanted to carry on and the Launceston captain and Victoria Rush were the ones that basically deprived us all of the trophy. If we weren't going to play another game, they were going to call it a draw. Has everyone seen Steph Evans' TikTok? Yeah, yeah it's hilarious. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so funny because I didn't see that conversation going on. And then I saw it, I was like, oh God, that is like the epitome of what grassroots is. It is. Absolutely. Yeah, it was top. I have just got to go, but I just wanted to discuss one very quick thing. Matt, your (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. You guys know what I'm talking about. Just wow. Yeah. That could have probably walked home to crew on its own. I don't know what was worse for wear, you or the shirt. I swear to God, it was so bad. Even the flies weren't coming near me. It was even too much. <laughs> I don't really were because you got bitten loads. Yeah, on my legs. Oh yeah, that's I couldn't right. go near the top off. Um, so we went to Westwood Ho to the beach after, and we went for a bit of a swim on the Sunday. When we got back in the car, <laughs> we, <laughs> we opened the door and we're like, <laughs> like a wall "Oh of my stench. God, what died in here?" It wasn't good. The first half of the day was like nervous energy and therefore, you know, getting a bit of a sweat on. And then it was hot and lots of running around and generally walking up and down, a bit more sweat. And then there was, might have been a bit of dad (laughs) dancing. I haven't seen any video evidence, but I'm going to take your word for it. (laughs) I then tried to down a pint of elderflower cider out of a watering can. Yeah, most of it went below my t-shirt. Actually, not much of that cider went in your mouth. It basically went over your head, your hair, your t-shirt, everywhere. It was like that scene in something about Mary, basically, (laughs) my hair as well. Thankfully, with cider. (laughs) Yeah, it was not a pleasant sight. Not a sexy sport, rugby. One thing I want to add as well, actually, I doubt she's listening, even though Victoria said that she was um, a podcast fan some months ago when she was trying to get free publicity for her documentary. (laughs) She confessed when questioned never having listened to the podcast so she did swear that she would listen to it so if you're listening to this victoria i just want to remind listeners in preparation for the game you had to tape up your hand but i believe you taped up the wrong hand yeah she did because (laughs) i I was shown a list of fines and that was one of them that victoria actually taped up her wrong hand (laughs) amazing (laughs) excellent before louise goes can we talk about her snoring oh god it's legendary, Lou's snoring. It's, it goes down in myth and legend for years Every to come. single social. Yeah. Any time we have to stay away ever, it, there's a new story about it. 
Right. You've got no defence. You've got no defence. no defence. There is zero defence. No. <laughs> perhaps if someone had booked a larger Airbnb, then I could have had a room to myself and then I wouldn't have had to put anyone under... Oh, sorry, Lou. Did you want an ensuite as well? I think you, you need your own accommodation. I don't think it's a case of a separate room. She needs her own house. Yeah. I think you need to tell the story, Right, Molly. so uh, about 2am... I was asleep, fast asleep, dreaming of how great the day was going to be on the Saturday at the grassroots headquarters. Well, no, actually, satellite headquarters, where we were all staying. And this looming figure appeared over me in the middle of the night, and it was Sherry, to inform me that Louise was snoring. (laughs) Not that I needed to be told, because I could fucking hear her. Anyway, managed to roll over back to sleep after we'd told Sherry to fuck off. And um, go back to sleep wake up and think oh I really need a wee so off I trot to the bathroom half asleep sat down on the toilet to have a wee and I see someone move in the bath I have never shit myself so much thank god I was on the toilet and basically Sherry was there in her duvet lying in the bath now Sherry is not a short lady her legs were pretty much resting on the taps and her head and back were halfway up the like arc on the batch i didn't know what to do i wasn't sure if someone had snuck in at the night i wasn't sure if it was the cat with um rabies that was staying at the house it was very very stressful and then sherry went this was the most logical place to sleep (laughs) well she put herself in a room in a very uncomfortable bed as such but then matt was in the kitchen on the floor snoring and i was in the other room on the other side snoring so she kind of put herself in the worst position if you're asking me it's not the first time that's happened though is it every time someone shares a room with you they end up in the bath (laughs) it just happens poor hannah thornhill on cheshire tour slept in the bathroom in the bathtub with the extractor fan on to drown out the noise of Lou snoring me and kez could hear her from across the hallway in another room that's oh how God. bad Lou snoring I'm is like, well, I, to be fair i took one for the team on saturday night and i had sherry on my floor on a mattress equally moaning about the lights coming through their window because the curtains weren't blackout uh, so she proceeded to sleep with her blanket on her head. I was very tempted to suffocate her. <laughs> no one would have blamed you. No. A bit of an announcement, though. Sherry maintains her reign as a Mexican point-downing champion. Yeah, we had Fiona Brunt officiating. There was a bit of a TMO decision to rule whether she did actually win the race or not, but it was deemed that she did. So, congratulations, Sherry. Now, beer drinking champion of Devon as well as Mexico. He's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I, the rock, I, the river, I, the tree, I am yours. Your passages have been paid. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. The Greeks had Socrates. Romans had Cicero, the French Descartes, and this is the Shakespeare of grassroots women's rugby. This is where legends are made. Shez says. I don't even know how podcast is. Why can I hear wind? Have you got your window open, Lou? No. I can hear wind. I can hear interference. Is that you, Sherry? No, absolutely not. Maybe it's a hurricane outside. Where's it coming from? I don't know. 
I can't hear wind. My blinds are dead still. I've got the windows open, but there's no wind. It's definitely your mic, says. I can see it on the sound waves. Oh, you think it might be my tower fan? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah. What gave you that idea? No. <laughs> I just turned Oh, down. miraculously, it stopped. They <laughs> off. You're such a dick. <laughs> Actually, it hasn't stopped. I've just turned it down. God, buddy. I'm a bit warm. Maneuver in the stripping bed, you know. Yeah, it's gone no now, wind. Yeah. Don't worry about me. I'll no just wind. overheat. <laughs> <laughs> not for the first time this week, probably. Probably not. You're right. So how was your wedding anyway? Sounded a bit traumatic. Oh my God. The wedding was fine. The, the journey was not. Well, the journey was fine. We left here at 10 past nine, got fuel, got nearly to Cardiff. The wedding was at a place called Aberdare. So the sat-nav said we were 14 miles away. So we got to that point where we've just got off all the main roads and we're about to go up into the valleys, you know, in sheep terrain. We're at that. This massive, great big roundabout. It said, divert, divert, road closed, road closed. Just, you know, you really don't need to see yellow signs everywhere. So we follow the diversion. We go up into the valleys. At one point, we're hanging off the edge of a cliff. I don't even know what the hell was going on. We all had to sit on the same side of the car to stay on. It was bad. <laughs> there were sheep everywhere, napping in the road. Very traumatic. Lots of lycra. Definite, without doubt, it was dogging terrain. They were everywhere. So we follow that for 20 minutes. Now the sat nav saying 34 minutes to the wedding. We're like, oh shit, you know, the wedding's in an hour and a half and we're thinking, oh, great, we're only going to have an hour to get ready. We go all the way round through this valley, back down, popped out, back at the same roundabout. Unbelievable. <laughs> so the sat-nav goes back to 14 minutes. So we follow the other diversion. So we go up this other <laughs> valley, same scenario, doggers, lycra, cyclists, all sorts of craziness, sheep everywhere. 20 minutes, so the sat-nav goes back to 34 minutes. All the way around for 20 minutes, through this, all these bushes, back on another cliff, down, same roundabout. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> that now goes back to 14 minutes. By this time now, we've got probably 50 minutes to get ready for the wedding. So we stop. I said to this workman, this is not okay. We are at a wedding in an hour. We've still got to get to the hotel and get ready. And he said, oh, in times like this, love. I would do the Welsh accent, but I can't. You turn the sat-nav off and you just follow these yellow signs with a black dot on and that takes you back to a main route. Did you know that? Is that normal? Because he said it like everyone knew that. And there were three of us in the I car. We all drove. We did not know that. Apparently, that's a thing. Who knew? So anyway, we followed the black dot. We got back on a main route. I ring the hotel to explain to the woman, you need to have the key ready. We thought that the hotel that we were staying at was five minutes from the wedding. Fail. 35 and at this point now we've got 50 we've got 50 minutes till she walks down the aisle we're not at the hotel yet and it's we've just found out it's a 35 minute drive to the register office turns out we were five minutes from the night do and the night do and the day thing were not in the same place oh no yeah so it was all right later on at night when we were all leathered because it was five minutes in a taxi traumatic rang julie pemberton said you're gonna have to do something you're gonna literally have to chuck yourself on the floor and have an asthma attack do anything you can <laughs> but we've got 15 minutes to get ready then the other two weren't even showered or anything obviously none of us had the hair makeup done nothing so we ran into the hotel got the key got into the hotel room managed to just about finish a bottle of rosé that was traumatic it was literally necking it what else can you do in times like that shot out of the door i'm on the phone to julie pemberton again she's going they won't stall they won't stall any longer so my friend claire probably broke every speed limit there was the, the tickets will be racking up this week they will be coming at all angles 
We get there. I've put on the group ETA 404. So they managed to stall the wedding. We wheel spinned into the car park. The registrar's on the front waving a clipboard round in the air. <laughs> going, don't bother going to a car parking space. You'll have to stop here. We had to abandon the car on double yellows right outside the door. We ran into the venue. 60 people erupted into cheers and a round of applause. Yes. As the three of us ran in. Love and it. then... The bride obviously had not got married yet because we've been her friends for like ever and she didn't want us to miss it. So the registrar starts her speech with, well, it's not very often we have to tell the bride she can't get married yet. Yes, very traumatic. Oh, my God. But yeah, after that, it was all fine. Yeah, yeah I don't think we'll uh, be forgotten for a while by the Welsh ones. When the English ones arrived, it was apparent we were in the room. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was bad. I went to a wedding in Southwest London when I was living down there. Usual thing. Thought, it's only five miles from the house. Get there in no time at all. So got in the car, started driving. Of course, absolute traffic hell. Literally bumper to bumper. Couldn't get through these roadblocks and all this kind of stuff. Finally got to the church. Literally ran out, ran straight in. Literally snuck in the back of the church. The ceremony just started, sat down, looking around thinking, I don't recognise anybody. And then suddenly struck me that it was the wrong wedding we just literally walked in sat down in the wrong wedding and there was actually another church oh, about wow. half a mile up the road literally just had to sneak oh, back out without anybody seeing us back in traffic up the road walked in just as they were sort of saying i do bit of a clap bit of a sing song out we went it's like oh no that was a nightmare <laughs> oh my god not good martin's answer was you should have left earlier the wedding was at four o'clock we left at ten past nine <laughs> Jesus Christ I don't know what went wrong there No But there was no traffic It was really good There was like the DJ But the DJ was also a singer But he was really good You know because Welsh are good at singing aren't they So we got up and did a load of singing And then afterwards it was just dancing and stuff And Awesome mm, Good to hear it After the traumatic journey with the sheep I think traumatic but journeys yeah. seem, to be a, seem to figure in your life quite a bit at the moment Shaz don't they well, The journey to Exeter wasn't traumatic back If that's what you're getting at it flipping was. Not for me. I had a lovely time. Well, apart from forgetting me gin, that was traumatic. <laughs> so first of all, you forgot your bees. Then you couldn't quite get your suitcase in the car. Then you insisted on trying to play Tom Jones or the pop quiz all the way down. And then just as we're getting there after like five hours in the car, you wanted us to detour to a completely different town just so you could go to a different Aldi. Uh, I think you'll find you bought some stock as well. I think you'll find we were getting you a drinking vessel, weren't we? But I could have got my booze anywhere. I wasn't fixated on going to Aldi. I could have yeah. literally gone to a corner yeah, shop. But I'm working through a list. <laughs> and I hadn't been to that one. I had not been to the Columpton Aldi. But I have now. That one's crossed off. Yeah, it's crossed off my list as well. Thank you. Very nice. Thankfully, for the rest of my life. Friendly. They were very friendly. It was never on and my I- list. I don't have a list like that. <laughs> Remember the man in Lycra on the way in? He was nice. Remember that? The cyclist stood there. You said he was a weirdo. No, I didn't actually say he was a weirdo. What I actually said was, what the fuck has he come as? That's what I said. <laughs> it's basically the same thing. Well, whatever it was that you said, you said it very loud. And we were all like, oh my God, I can't. Yeah, well, you turned up wearing a Manscaped t-shirt. Was it, it said your balls will thank you. My balls will thank you Manscaped t-shirt and a big spiky wig. And you were saying he looked like the weirdo. Yeah, he said, I'm so glad I witnessed that interaction. I'm not entirely sure what he was talking about, but he was very entertained. It was something about trying to get seven bottles of wine without a trolley. <laughs> oh, my God. So how was your experience of, of Exeter then, Sherry, overall? How did you enjoy the, the grassroots rugby day? Yeah, it was good. It was really hot. We should have drank more. <laughs> 
we didn't <laughs> drink enough alcohol in the day. That's where we failed. But it was good. Yeah, it was really good to see everyone having a good time. It was. You got to meet some celebrities as well. Yeah, Mrs. T. Mrs. She's T. She's really nice. She's a legend. She's I lovely. Hear, I hear you also told Steph Evans the baby Zarm story. Is this true? Yes, in depth. And she said that any mother without a baby's arm is like basically boring. She totally agreed with me. It wasn't a fail on my part. It's quite normal where she comes from. I'll make sure next time I see her, I'll ask her. That'd be weird. I won't ask her, actually. That'd be weird. <laughs> so, Sherry, you're walking on the pitch with a load of randoms. It must have been quite weird being... That's normal to me. I'm surrounded <laughs> by randoms all the time. But what was it like playing with a load of people you've never even met before? The same as how, how it always is, because I always feel like that. <laughs> I always feel like, what the fuck is going on? Who are you and where am I supposed to be? It was just the same as any normal game. It didn't seem like random. No, it didn't, did it? That was the weird thing about it. It no, didn't feel like randoms at all. It was really bizarre. It was like playing like how we play every week. Every, it just worked. I don't know how it worked, but it just did. It was weird to watch, really weird to watch, because it was like watching normal rugby with people that never played together before. And I was exp- I don't know what I was expecting it to look like, but it wasn't that. Well, it didn't feel like you hadn't played with them before. It just sort of worked. It's really weird. I think it must have helped as well, Shez. You're feeling fresh as a daisy after a good night's sleep going onto the pitch. Oh, here we go. Are we going there? <laughs> Can we not go there again? <laughs> Luckily, with me being a celebrity, Fiona, the ref, arranged for me to have some work done to my back before I played, so I got cracked back into place by a <laughs> chiropractor. Thank you. I explained that I'd been in the fetal position for eight hours, and I hadn't just come out of a placenta, I'd came out of a bath. <laughs> and she put me right. So for the millions of listeners, Sherry, that don't know this story yet, why were you in the bath? Well, Batty, pick, what was it? What were we in? Like a farmhouse? Yeah. That slept six people. So there was Jodie and Ellie on the sofa bed. There was Molly and Josh in the double room. Batty was on the kitchen floor on a cheese and onion crisp packet. Very bizarre and very crunchy. (laughs) So Lou and I had the two single beds. Lou did warn me. I'll just warn you. I snore when I've had a drink. There's like snoring and then there's what Lou does. Frightening. (laughs) We're talking cracking foundations. My mattress was vibrating. I actually thought I took the baby's arm with me by mistake. (laughs) I couldn't take it. So after an hour of like holding onto the mattress to not be thrown onto the floor by the vibrations, and then an hour pacing up and down the corridors, trying to find a place anywhere that I could possibly drag my mattress to, there wasn't anywhere. And then half an hour contemplating a slow, painful death for Louise, going back and (laughs) to the kitchen. See how many sharp knives there were, and to see how I up we were, and could I get Lou out the window? <laughs> the only option was to make a bed with my quilt in the bath. I'm five foot ten. The bath was about three foot two. <laughs> so basically, yeah, I'm about two foot wide. The bath was half a foot wide, so it was not pretty. So I was in the fetal position. It's more of a trough than a bath, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It was more like yeah, them things that cows drink out of. So I was in the fetal position, in the bath, with nothing underneath me than a quilt that was as thin as a tissue, with a tiny little towel on top of me, and the shower curtain drawn round. I'd like to say I was in and out of naps, but I wasn't in and out of naps, because I didn't actually sleep. I was just praying that I could get some sleep. And I'm then 
woken by Polly Latham going, who the fuck is that in the bath? Because my feet were sticking out at the end, hanging over the bog <laughs> when she came in for a do at three in the morning. <laughs> oh, I forgot the part where I went into Molly's room. Molly and Josh were there in the pitch black. I knew they were there, but I couldn't see them. Stood over the top of Polly, just checking if she was actually asleep because I was going to tell her how traumatised Louise had me. <laughs> and then Polly sprang up in the air because she sensed me there and started screaming, fuck me, I thought it was Squirrelgate. Well, never mind Squirrelgate. Joshua was sleeping naked and you didn't even notice. Yeah, well, luckily it was pitch black. I couldn't see anything. I just knew Molly was there below where I was standing. She obviously sensed me. She thought I was a squirrel. I love the way that the first thing she thinks you are is a squirrel. That wouldn't be the first thing that came to my head. So after that, I just went and got back in the bath. There was nothing else for it. I felt like I'd had a session with Pim and Pam in the morning. I had to get helped out of the bath. <laughs> I feel like I've really lived birth. Sherry, one thing's for sure. You're not a complainer, are you? I mean, you don't like to mention <laughs> no. these things. You keep it to yourself. But he asked me. I must say, <laughs> the next day, it, it was pretty funny. Because you were in such a state, like you were both cross and, and tired and emotional and like properly beaten up. I'd had next to no sleep either. I like you already played rugby. Yeah, my crisp packet was fine if I managed to stay on it, but it was half as wide as I am. So every time it's I moved, I fell onto it. If, if I moved at all, nice. I'd literally slide off it uh, onto the uh, linoleum floor. It wasn't very comfortable. I think we need to rethink the sleeping arrangements for Grassroots too. Yeah, grassroots too. I think we need to upgrade. Yeah. Should we start like putting a few quid in the pot, left, right, and centre, yeah. and get some at high end? But I'm thinking swimming pool and jacuzzi as a minimum. Private bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A special Private soundproof room. booth for Reed to sleep in. I'm going to sew some tennis balls to the back of his pajamas. <laughs> Can we also mention that when we got into bed, Sherry talked at me for like nearly an hour, and I was trying to go to sleep, but I felt like I had to respond. <laughs> I think it was 10 minutes. It was not nearly an hour. Yeah, can we also mention that the snoring started within about three and a half seconds of her closing her eyes? It wasn't a slow process. It was instant. It's like someone had plugged her in. <laughs> someone fired the generator up. It actually had been more of a peaceful sleep sleeping with a generator. It's literally a human generator. <laughs> Have you got anything to say in your defence, Lou? You're getting a bit of hammer here. Spare cop, really. Can't really say anything about that. I even spoke to Grace about it this week to see if Grace is traumatised. And Grace yeah. said, Grace went, I have to share a landing with her. A landing? Not even a bed, like literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Whilst we're on the subject, might as well say that the guy who lives next door to me has said that he can hear me snoring from next door. <laughs> wow. And don't forget, she lives in a detached mansion. <laughs> The third floor, no one's safe. I think you need to have your adenoids removed or something. There's something that can be done. <laughs> Probably don't drink might be a start. Yeah, that might be a good starting point. That's always a problem when you talk about these things. The answer is always don't drink and lose a load of weight. It's like, all right, I'll just do that overnight. Anyway, looking forward to the new season, Shez? Yeah, I went to training this week. Did you? Yes, this week. I always told you I was going to go back after the summer. I just needed summer to sort my life out. How did that go? Went back on Wednesday. But yeah, it was all right. Bit of circuit training. It was good to be back at it. There was about, I don't know, I think probably about 24 there or something. So that was not too bad. Pretty good. Jodie was smashing it. Jodie's on fire this season. 
She really is. You know what she was saying about that? She wants that to be her thing this season. Watching her play in Devon was unreal. She was so good. She was like that this week at training. Was she? Yeah, yeah. She was really good. On fire. It's like she's really got her mind in the right place, doesn't it? Yeah, she just sort of made it her decision to actually play the best rugby she can. she's good anyway. She really is. But she's just really like giving 110%. She was really good at training. But that's interesting, isn't it? Because new season, new coding. Yeah, but also, how much of it was? Is it about believing in yourself rather than just ability? Do you know what I mean? Because most people have got ability. Yeah. I always see that with a lot of the team. Like they could be a lot better if they just got got rid of that bit of their brain saying, "Oh, should I do this? Should I do that?" They just like just play instinctively. I mean, she's really good anyway, isn't she? Jodie's not crap. She's really good. Yeah, she could play. But she's she's just really stepped up the fierceness. When she is fierce, she's fucking fierce. Like she, yeah, she can yeah, take people's heads off. That was she? only in training, yeah. yeah. So well, let's hope she stays good. fit for sale because that'd be good to see her ruining a few. That's the first game, isn't it? Players, yeah. But yeah, it was good. It was good to get back. Good. Anyway, got a letter for you, as is customary. Oh, <laughs> Dear Auntie Shed, I must say I'm delighted to know that you are still the Mexican and now Devon Pint Downing champion. You must be very proud. Congratulations also on your part in winning the grassroots tournament. It must have been amazing being able to lead from the front and show how it's done with much less experienced players around you. My question is this. I'm going on tour with my team soon. and I have a terrible worry that I'll keep everybody up with my snoring. I've had a problem with this for years and it's causing me a lot of anxiety. What should I do? Is it from Lou? It's from Philippa, from Yeovil Ladies. Oh, it's not from Lou from Crew and Nantwich? No, unless she's been tampering with well, the The best Philip can do is speak to Lou, because Lou clearly doesn't give one. <laughs> you just need to learn how to not give one. What are the sleeping arrangements? Philippa needs to find somewhere where she's definitely not sharing a room with someone, or a house even, if she's as bad as Lou, because it could end in an untimely death. Because <laughs> if I'd have had my way that night, Lou wouldn't be alive right now. <laughs> If somebody ends up sleeping in the bath, it's all over. You saw how that ended. Not well. Birth. Yeah, not well at all. So if she's still got time to sort it out, she needs to. Probably best sleeping in the car, because that's what Lou will be doing next time. <laughs> Sleep in the car and sew tennis balls to the back of your pyjama top. <laughs> so you can only lie on your side. Don't drink, don't smoke, potentially don't breathe. <laughs> And then you won't piss anyone off. You might make it through the weekend. <laughs> Last resort, take a little pop-up tent and get in the garden. Do you know what? I had a pop-up tent in the back of my car that whole weekend. Oh, my God. And you slept on a crisp packet. I did. <laughs> Unbelievable. Mind you, I still have been on the crisp packet. I can't believe how that's even considered a bed. It's not too bad. What was it like being refereed by Fiona? Amazing. It's weird because I don't want to shit on female refs because, well, it's refs in general, they can be shit, but I like to always champion female refs because it's such a male-dominated sport. But sometimes you just get refs that just happen to be female and just go, fuck's sake, here we go. You're not doing anything great for us here. But Fiona, I feel like she knew the game and I feel like she's the most well-knowledged person that's ever ref me in the whole of grassroots. I feel like she's above grassroots level. It's because she is above grassroots level. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Jodie, she's done Commonwealth Did you listen Jody. to the Q&A? 
I didn't know she was doing the Commonwealth Sevens. I just thought she was there to support no. the, the referees. She did the refereeing shirts with Emirates written across the front of it, like not but giving them. She the robbed them. <laughs> they were robbed. Oh, God. <laughs> not only are you accusing her of being, you know, not a referee, but also a thief in the same breath. <laughs> Fiona, we're sorry. You came all that way to Devon to be treated to a 30-minute warning for a Q&A and then insulted after the event by Jody Pauling. Apologies. Well, you belong where you are because you're definitely above grassroots level and that's me saying it, so it must be true. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Molly? What was your take on it, being refereed by an actual refereeing team? Apart from pissing me off saying I didn't release the ball and Victoria Rush having to calm me down because she equally thought that I released the ball, we both decided to give Fiona a bit of lip, which is quite out of character for me. So that was that. But no, I thought she was stellar. She's got a good banter. She controls the game really well. And, you know, I'd really love it if she could come and ref crew. Because like Jodie said, we've had, what have we had? One female ref, maybe two max over the years. So it'd be nice to have her down for sure. She's fantastic. And a few dubious decisions, but that was more to do with some of her dance moves after the game. (laughs) Yeah, and seeing the jug of beer being run onto the pitch for players and the referees taking swigs as well. You know, you're right in grassroots territory then, don't you? 100%. Absolutely. So new season then, you got a game under your belt? Win oh my God, day? Matt. Matt who wants to go first? Because it was unfudging believable. I mean, Molly is living the high life. She was absolutely buzzing. Saturday night, Monday night buzzing. By the sounds of it, still buzzing because the game was just... For the first game of the season, even though it was a friendly, it was off the scale. To be 19-0 down at half time, last season we would have just dropped our heads. It would have ended up 50-0 come the full time. But to pull it back and to win the game so convincingly, oh, it was bloody amazing. It was so good. It just felt incredible. And I don't really know what happened. So- you shouted at us, Molly. That's what happened. Hey? You shouted at us. It wasn't bad shouting. No, obviously it worked. I think what's interesting, though, is you think about you know, the captaincy style last year. You know, you could be winning 15-0 and you get into the halftime team talk and Katie would basically give you so much abuse that it was only the right thing to do to lose by 30 I'll points. I'll give her a break. I, um, <laughs> nah, I think, you know, I don't think it's anything to do with the captaincy and I'm not trying to play myself down or, you know, say that Katie was amazing because we all have our off days, but it was just the team spirit. So... I think over pre-season, what we've learned is that we've got to keep pushing. So like the fitness we've been doing has been vile. It's been harder than it ever has before. We've completely changed how we play. We've completely, and obviously I'm not going to reveal it for all you Sale 1861 listeners out there, because I know you idolise us all. But I don't know, it just feels different. And we were on the pitch and we were 19 nil down and rather looking like our water bottles and our feet thinking, oh Christ, I missed that tackle or I, I got turned over. We kind of looked at each other and went, we can all do this. We will do it. And we're going to try and at least put up a fight and not get battered 55, 70 nil or something. And we just kind of went, actually, it's President's Day. Yes, they're bigger and potentially a little bit more experienced than us, but we've got the people on the pitch to do it. And we scored one try and we were like, oh, okay, we can score. And then we scored a second and then we were like, okay. And then when we scored a third, I I literally don't know what happened. We just went off the scale and we were like, you're not tackling my teammate with no arms. You're not turning over us in that rook. The back line did some ridiculous moves. The tackling was amazing into touch. 
And yeah, we just got our shit together and got the job done. And then I think it was Jess that scored an unbelievable try at the end of the game where she basically just used her hips and her footwork, got round like four players. But even then, there were still five other crew players following her. There wasn't just like, oh, she's got there, we're going to get so far and then get turned over. And the feeling to win after being 19 nil down, like, yeah, I am still buzzing, by the way, Goose. It was just incredible. And it'll, it'll carry us into the season that when we are... 25 points down we know that we can come back we just got to sort it out but it was in front of a massive crowd president's day the first team played the third team played the girls the academy it was just like an unbelievable day for the club and me and goose were chatting to a guy who i can't remember his name was it russell yeah and he said he's never watched the women's team before but he was so impressed so one thing i would say for any grassroots team that has started a women's team not necessarily a President's Day, but something of that nature where you've got all teams playing at the same time. The people that normally watch the first will watch the women and people that watch the academy will stay and watch the men and vice versa. And it's it's a really good day to promote it and get that club unity. When you have everybody on the same day and you get, like you say, you get people you know, that are down the club anyway and you know they're just getting there to watch, even if they only catch the last 20 minutes or something sometimes, just getting them to actually watch a bit of women's rugby and realise that it's different, but it's every bit as compelling to watch as the men's game. You can really turn you know, people onto the sport, definitely. Exciting. So when's the first league game? Southport, Sunday the 18th, which is a friendly. And then we've got Sale 1861. Is that the opening game of the oh, season? yeah. Yeah. At home. Man. My mission of the season, everybody, This I don't care how we get there. My 100th cap for crew is Sale 1861 away. If we win a few cup games, it gives me a few games to be able to be injured, but I've just got to make it through one more season. Have they yeah. started ramping up the social media yet with like, you know, elaborate new signing videos and things like Celebrities. that? Celebrities. Yes. yes, they have. Yeah. Celebrities. No, to be fair to them, it's great. Um, they didn't quite crack on to the fact that Lauren Feinbond <laughs> put a piss take video on there. Uh, was it a sloth or a meerkat? Meerkat. meerkat saying, good luck crew, we're behind you. But no, it's all good banter, isn't it? But they, I think they might have a social media officer or something that does all their vids. We've missed the trick with Fatima Whitbread. Can we not get a message from her? Seeing as Hannah's like best buddy buds for her. That's your next job, Jodie. Yeah, probably After you've got my first Q&A gig. Go, Come on. Oh, we should have got some from the rush from that when we oh, were down there, shouldn't we? Oh, we missed a few. Man. I'm sure, well, can we not speak to them? I'm sure Fiona would do one for us, wouldn't she? Yeah. Fiona would, definitely. And Steph. Yeah. Or Garnet, even. Like, I reckon anyone would. I reckon we're well in there with the celebs yeah. now. Damn it. We'll have to um, remember that next time we do something like that. Just like, literally get a bank of them for years and years worth. <laughs> so we can just keep, keep literally producing them. Yeah, a couple out every year. <laughs> so people think we're really on it with the social media and we're like popular as a team rather than just some little place in South Cheshire. I'm joined today by Nick. Nick has been following us on Twitter and we've had a few email exchanges over the last couple of months and actually came down to Exeter the other day to to watch the proceedings. And I thought I'd invite her on the podcast today to get a different perspective on women's rugby. So welcome along to the podcast, Nick. Hi, thank you very much. Great to be here. I guess first questions first, really, Nick. Tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into supporting and watching women's rugby. It's probably a recent thing, really. Growing up where I did rural edge of the new forest little village and we just didn't come across rugby at all I knew there was a sport with a strange shaped ball and that was about all I knew (laughs) until I was 30 and I was on a work trip actually and ended up in the pub on a Saturday afternoon with my colleagues who were big rugby fans and the men's world cup was 
being shown. And it was a pool stage. So we, we sat in the pub and watched about three matches on the trot. I sort of said to them, well, I don't know anything about rugby. I've never watched it before. I don't know anything. And they spent the afternoon explaining it to me, what was happening and, and why and, and how it all worked. And I was blown away. I was hooked by the end of the afternoon. That was it. And I've loved it ever since, basically. My husband, also growing up in the sort of same area, had never been exposed to rugby either. It just didn't happen in our schools, not for boys or girls. And he wasn't interested. I came home raving about this amazing sport and he wasn't interested until about a year later and we were on this once in a lifetime holiday to Australia and New Zealand and we were driving around in a camper van looking for somewhere to stop for the night and somewhere to eat and we came across this tiny little one horse town and it was like a ghost town there was nobody about everything was shut up lights off not a soul in sight and we're thinking okay this is a bit creepy noticed a neon sign down the road and it was a pub so we sort of thought well maybe we'll get some luck in there walked in and the whole town was basically in this little pub <laughs> because there was a test match on between Australia and the All Blacks and they welcomed oh, wow. us in and you know made space for us and we had a lovely meal and lots of beer and sat chatted watched the rugby and had just had the most amazing night and then Steve was hooked on the rugby as well so yeah we sort of came to it a bit late really and we've been big fans ever since and we sort of only really watched it on tv sort of your six nations and your international matches never really yeah. got into the sort of men's league stuff or anything like that and we were given some tickets to go to twickenham probably about 10 years ago and just had the most amazing time we saw a couple of autumn internationals and the second one was the, was England versus the All Blacks. So Steve was made up because he loves the All Blacks after his introduction in, in New Zealand. And on the same ticket that night was the women's match, the Red Roses against the Black Ferns. Well, we knew nothing about women's rugby at that point, but we thought, well, we can stand out in the cold and wait for the train with a million other people, or we can stay here and watch a second match. Brilliant. You know, what's not to love? And we enjoyed that match more than the men's. Interesting. What is that? We find that the women's rugby tends to be faster on the whole. There's a lot less kicking, you know, the aerial battle that you get in the men's where it's, it's kind of almost tennis going back and forth, back and forth. I know why they do it, but it's not great to watch, let's face it. Also, the scrums don't collapse nearly so much. It's rare yeah. to see a women's that's, scrum that's true, actually, end up on the it? floor. But with every, every man's scrum, it seems... They have to reset it like two or three times every time. So, and then we got to sort of know some of the characters and some of the, the players, and they are so great. If you go to a women's match, they will spend hours afterwards going around signing things for the kids and speaking to people, doing selfies and stuff. I don't know. I mean, all rugby is friendly. You, you go along to, to anything, yeah. and there's this lovely rugby family sort of feel to it. And I just think it's it's kind of complemented in the women's by the fact that the players themselves will come out and chat to you afterwards. I mean, it, it's just brilliant. It's a brilliant day out. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I think the men's rugby at club level, the players are usually pretty good at interacting with fans and they'll come around and sign autographs and things like that. But with the women's game, they're still at that point where they're just grateful that people are watching them. Yes. And yeah. want you to have a great day out, don't they? And they, they, yeah. they, you know, they'll put aside the time to come say hi. I mean, I remember... Very similar to you, actually. The first time I saw the international women's game was um, England against, I'm going to say France now, and yeah. it was after a Six Nations match where England had played France in the men's game. And I remember 
waiting around in the stadium and the players that were coming down from from our area to watch the women's game actually bumped into the women's team yeah. that were just hanging around outside the stadium when the men's game was on and they yeah. all had great stories to tell of meeting the players getting photos you know really sort of having a really good chat with them um, as if it was like a, a club match you know it's almost like they yeah. sort of met them in the bar before the match almost you know it does stay with you that little bit doesn't it yeah, they just love that people recognise them and want to say hello. It just yeah. is that lovely sort of friendly feeling. Totally. Interesting observation as well about the quality of the game because I think, you know, that's starting to become more noticeable, I think, when people switch over from men's to women's or mm. you know, certainly watch them side by side. What you don't get with the women's game is the, the massive collisions as much. I mean, they're certainly pretty ferocious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the set pieces is less of the focal point, isn't it? Yeah, there's much more played with ball hand, isn't it? I, yeah, I think. totally. That echoes my experience at club level as well, actually, I think. Yeah. Long may that continue, really. I've often thought that's been detractor in the men's game is the amount of kicking and also increasing yeah. the scrum resets. A lot of it, you just think, well, just crack on, just get the ball out, you know. We've got to the point now where we never miss a women's match on TV. But mm. if we miss a men's match, we're not so fussed. And we tend to record the men's matches now we still watch them but we watch them with a fast forward button so that we can get past all the reset scrums and stuff you know yeah get to the interesting stuff so you've obviously been listening to the podcast as well how on earth did you manage to pick that up (laughs) well i think i think it has a lot to do with i had a bit of a an old brick of a phone and when i finally got around to updating it it would do all kinds of things like download podcasts and stuff so i was kind of going through and finding lots of women's rugby pod and things like that and and stumbled across yours i think it was just as you'd released your first episode pure chance just because i was looking for women's rugby on there we sat and we listened to it and we both just howled with laughter we were crying by the end of, of it <laughs> we just absolutely loved it you've got our our sense of humor so the two of us my husband doesn't listen to any other podcasts he'll only listen to yours he just absolutely loves that one but yeah we just fell in love with it straight away glad to hear it yeah because obviously most of the people that that we're aware of that listen anyway uh, tend to be players at different clubs and we've sort of spread it through word of mouth and through doing some of the interviews and so on so i was really interested to kind of see how it would appeal to somebody that loves the game but maybe hasn't played it or hasn't been involved in club rugby Coming to your grassroots festival a few weeks back, that was the first time I've actually been to a grassroots rugby anything. We've, we've kind of done it back to front. A lot of the people you talk to, you know, they've started playing rugby as a kid or, or picked it up later on, but they play rather than that's their interest in the sport. It's not watching it so much. We've come from the other end. We've come in watching sort of elite top um, professional rugby and and then we've kind of filtered down to some of the other stuff the league stuff and the sevens and various other stuff just because we fell in love with rugby really but I feel like I've come at it from the opposite direction to most people that you have on the pod so you basically having watched the game at its very best mm. you've managed to see what the game's like at its very worst grassroots game we've got referees drinking beer on the pitch <laughs> <laughs> no I really really enjoyed it actually they I was pleasantly surprised at the standard of it because you, you never, I didn't know what grassroots rugby was really going to be like. And actually, I really, really enjoyed it. It was, was just as entertaining as, as going to Twickenham. Same lovely feeling from the sort of other people there. You get that lovely welcoming rugby family. And the rugby was, was great. I was, I was loving it. Molly's smashing people and, and everything. <laughs> yeah. And actually, Fiona, the ref, taking a, taking a conversion and stuff, you know, that, that doesn't happen 
happen at Twickenham normally. No. We need to lay it out there, though, uh, Nick, that Fiona effectively cost us the match by taking a conversion. <laughs> yeah, but she awarded it even though she missed it, didn't she? So not only did she miss a conversion, she also cheated Yeah, by awarding a conversion that never happened. So yeah. I think what we found on the day was we were every bit as surprised as you were, I think, by the quality <laughs> of the play. Well, considering you had, you know, the Nomads were a group of people who hadn't played together before on the whole. I hadn't even uh, met before, let alone played together before. Uh, they played really well <laughs> together. It was great. Everyone said the same thing, actually, that they were surprised at how quickly they just sort of slotted into playing a game based around the players on the pitch. And across all three sides, there were some really, really good players on, on display, wasn't there? And I think what I loved watching was players of different levels of experience and, and obviously quality, I suppose is the right word, really working hard with the teams around them. You know, I think it was probably a good experience for those that are relatively new to the game as well as those that are quite experienced. Yeah, it was a really interesting day for me just to come along and, and watch it from a, you know, completely different perspective and enjoy it as much as I ever do when I go and see the Red Roses play or whoever it might be that I've gone to see. It was just as enjoyable, I have to say. Glad to hear it. Good. Did you come to the Q&A beforehand as well? I did. Yeah, that was good. Excellent. Again, we weren't really sure what to expect with that. You know, I knew Victoria a little bit through in the build up to it. Um, yeah. Obviously, I've seen Steph on, on TV and I'd never met Garnet and we were perhaps a little bit mean to Fiona by giving her 30 seconds notice that she was supposed to be involved in the Q&A, <laughs> yeah. um, which she wasn't wild about, but in the end did an amazing job. But I thought, I came out of it feeling like I'd learned something. I met people that were every bit as passionate as I was and the, and the guys in the room. Yeah. And it just felt really in keeping with the event, really. Yeah, it was a really good way to start the day, actually, getting everybody sort of thinking about things. And, and they were all very, very amusing. The whole panel yeah. were, were really entertaining. It made me think about things I hadn't considered before, like um, you were asking about ways to get grassroots players to go and watch matches um, so that they might learn a bit more about the game from a you know out, outsider's perspective to understand some of the play that goes mm. on that would help with the coaching. And I hadn't ever occurred to me that maybe just because you're a player, you don't watch the sport. That blew my mind. That had never occurred to me that that might be the case. I don't know why you wouldn't go when it's so much fun. No, I totally agree. Yeah. Every year we have the same debate you know, in the squad I'm involved in. You've got 50 odd players, ex-players, friends of players within the squad. You know, the Six Nations comes around, whether it's, you know, men or women, doesn't matter. Mm. And you say, look, you know, going to be in the pub at two o'clock to watch the game, who's coming? And you get three or four people say yes and you think well fair enough they're probably watching at home or you know, don't want to come into town or whatever and mm. then you catch up the following week and none of them have watched it you know they've maybe watched the highlights or something and I find that bizarre because women's rugby has fought more than any other mainstream sport anyway mm. for recognition and the broadcasters have you could say rightly I don't necessarily think that's the right word but they have always said well there's no audience it's like well we're saying yes there is but yeah. then that audience that you think is there isn't yeah. and it's a big ask you know i think anyway as a massive rugby fan it's a big ask for people like me who what followed the men's game since i was eight or nine yeah. to double my rugby consummation you know to watch an additional you know type of rugby mm. you'll watch your game but really what we need to do is get the people who are interested in it already playing it already to actually yeah. go and you That's know sit cool. in a pub or at home or wherever and, yeah. and watch it you know yeah I just love it. I mean, the big thing for us as well was one, we enjoyed the women's game more than the men's personal preference. But we also got to the point where we kind of thought, why are we spending a fortune 
trying to get tickets for Twickenham, you can't always get them for the men's matches. They cost a fortune. You're looking at probably on average about 300 quid for the two of us to go to one match. When we're paying 20 quid to watch the Red Roses play an international match and you can always get tickets and we enjoy it more. So it's kind of a no brainer, you know, and you make a good full day out of it and go with friends or, or whatever. But even if you went on your own, the rugby family is so welcoming and so friendly. You never have to worry about being the odd one out or nobody speaking to you or anything like that because everybody's always friendly. I don't know what we can do to sell it to people, but think if people went once to a match, they would keep going. I think if they moved the season by two months, it would yeah. make a huge difference. Yeah, One maybe. of the things I loved about being in Devon the other week was mm. I was in shorts and T-shirt with a beer in my hand in the sun. Yes. And that wasn't yeah. great for the players. No, the pitch was rock solid. The yeah. pitch was a little bit solid. <laughs> so we might have to factor that in perhaps and maybe yeah. have some kind of um, ice bath by the side of the pitch for people to cool off in or something. Yeah. Um, but I do think that has a factor because having stood at Twickenham in minus five to watch yeah. England before, you've got you to really love the game to, go there, to put yourself you? through that. Right, you yeah. have. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you move the season just by a month or two, you know, just yeah. to take a bit more advantage of the warmer weather and the daylight and so on, I think that'll make a big difference. Um, but yeah. then, you know, there's, a valid argument actually about whether that impacts on other sports. It probably does, but you know. Hmm. Well, I mean, they have moved it. the women's six nations forward, haven't they? So it's not on at the same time as the men's now it happens afterwards. So you're looking at around Easter time and then the weather is usually slightly better. I mean, yeah. we've been to that in t-shirts yeah. um, and it is lovely to be able to go to the rugby with the sun shining and actually not yeah. be wearing 17 layers and you just enjoy yeah. it more, don't you, if you're not frozen solid. Totally. And you're based, did you say, in Dorset Way? We're just on the edge of the New Forest, so we're kind of halfway between Salisbury and Southampton. How on earth does Shed Says come across to people <laughs> from the South? <laughs> she is just a one-of-a-kind character, isn't she? I mean, yeah, she's just as funny no matter where you are, I think. I don't think it matters where you are in the country. It's, it's not a north-south thing, I, I think. I think Shez is just Shez and, and she translates. So <laughs> She sure does, yeah. She's, she's so idiosyncratic. And I, I've often wondered that as I'm from the Isle of Wight myself. I find Shez particularly quite typical of people in this area and their accents and their turn of phrase and so on. And I find that quite funny, but I've, I've often wondered how it translates in other parts of the country. I don't think you get the sort of divides in the same way. I mean, I work closely with with someone that who originally comes from Burnley and still very much has that strong northern accent and attitude. I think people travel like yourself. You're from the Isle of Wight, but you're with Shez. So, you know, I think people move about more these days and it doesn't seem to matter so much where the sort of regional differences that probably once had more effect, but I think she's hilarious. <laughs> I kind of misjudged my timing at the festival and I sort of thought, oh, I'll have plenty of time after the rugby to come and speak to you guys. And then I realised what the time was and I needed to get moving back home. And so I didn't speak to you, but that was biggest regret. I wanted to get a selfie with Shez. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, you'll just have to arrange another another festival. and I'll Don't have, worry, have we're on it already. Then. Yeah, we all had a massive come down afterwards. We're all in different ways, exhausted and, you know, a little bit. You know, when you have a come back from holiday and you've got that, oh, that yeah. downer, we were all on a bit of a downer afterwards. We're already on it for the next one and possibly even two next year if we can squeeze them in. But once the season starts, the weekends quickly disappear. So it'll be towards the end of the next season. But yeah. We'll, Count um, me in. 
I will be there. Yeah, definitely. I'll <laughs> let you know. Absolutely. <laughs> Going back to the podcast then, you know, yeah. obviously it's great to chat to somebody that's picked it up the way you have really. What are the, the sections of it that you enjoy the most? What are you, you know, which episodes really stood out for you as being really you know, interesting or, or made you laugh or whatever? I actually thought the one you did on mental health was extremely powerful. I thought that mm. was really, really well done. I really enjoyed that. When it comes down to us just laughing, well, that's just you guys when you're just having a chat. You usually end up totally on a tangent, miles away from rugby. It doesn't matter. It's just funny, you guys just chatting amongst yourselves. I really actually enjoyed your... Um, fantasy 15 yeah i think we're gonna we're gonna bring that back in some guys or another because we were saying exactly the same thing the other day that was always really fun yeah i could picture that squad that'd be so funny and <laughs> and, and just Portia woodman on the sub bench it was just <laughs> yeah. yeah that just topped it off absolutely brilliant listen nick loves having you on really good to meet you and thanks so much for coming to the event a couple of weeks ago and absolutely we'll let you know when the next one is and absolutely make a point of, of meeting up with you and that all-important selfie with shez says yeah absolutely yeah that'd be great we've been really enjoying your podcast long may it continue yeah you make us yes. laugh even even when we're feeling stressed and miserable or whatever you, you guys make us laugh without fail brilliant that is brilliant the very tonic best the feedback soul. we can get oh yeah i love that our misfortune brightens other people's days up <laughs> yes <laughs> Grassroots News with Lou. Okay, so obviously, second down the, on the pod, you passed your probation Woo-hoo. last time, despite turning up to the podcast wearing a stethoscope as a headset. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> let you off this time. So you got the honourable job this time of doing the, the news section. So yeah. what have you got for us? So no pressure. Goose like, news. Goose, goose news. news. Goose news. Yeah. yeah, when you only goose messaged news. me about it today whilst I was working, I was like, shit. It's more notice than most people research. get. <laughs> true, this is true. Pre-season friendlies are well underway across the board. Social media is alive with rugby coming back to life after the summer break, which is really, really good to see. Obviously, this weekend we saw England ladies play in their warm-up game against the USA. Shout out to Exercise who were there to watch the game. We've seen all of your social media pics from that ladies, which was looking good. Obviously, a big comeback in that game for Claudia McDonald who, if people don't know her background and her story, she had a really horrific neck injury a few seasons ago and it looked like she wasn't going to end up coming back to rugby. So if you want anybody out there looking for some inspiration on just getting your grit and pulling through and aiming for what you want, just take a look at her. She pulled on her England shirt for the first time in a long time in that game, scored two tries and, yeah, who would have thought after she had that horrific injury that she'd be back on it pitch in an England shirt doing what she does best so that was pretty awesome to see season's kicking off in a couple of weeks and there's yet another premiership side floating a new women's team so Leicester Tigers have now got a women's team which is big news there's another prem team with a women's side they're starting off not in the Alliance 15s they're I want to say Championship One, but Molly will probably correct me on that no no because you'll know better than I do I was a Bob excellent Big shout out to them and all the teams who are going to get the luxury of playing at Welford Road when they get to play Leicester Tiger ladies at home, because that's going to be a mega experience for a lot of grassroots teams out there. So yeah, that's my little roundup of what I've been seeing in the news this week. As I say, seasons are kicking off. 
rugby is coming back to life. It's coming out of the summer and we're going back towards cooler climbs, muddier pitches, which we all enjoy because it's slightly easier on the joints. Uh, so, yeah, really looking forward to that. There's my news for the week, Batty, for you. Good job, Goose. Yeah. What are you looking forward to most, Lucy, for the um, new season? I don't know. I, like, I'm just pumped. I'm like really excited. I hold my hands up. I had a massive mental fog in the game that we played this weekend. I don't know what it was. It got in my own head. It's just one of those things. Every player's been through it. You have a game. Something doesn't go right. You, you just can't. You can't get your head back into it. But you play on because your teammates are there and they support you through it. I'm just really excited now to put that game to rest and just have a cracking season and the squad we've got this season I've never seen us so cohesive as we are this season it's really exciting I can't really wait to play Sale 1861 I'm like really buzzing for that game I can't wait for it nice one looking forward to watching it Jody, it's that time again knock on knock off yes so I have gone with an animal theme due to the little game we had or a little social. It's not linked to Mary Shag Kill on the no, six-hour car no. journey. I'm going to say that'd be a bit weird. Amazing. That'd be a bit weird with an animal theme. <laughs> Cat, dog, fish. Shag, marry, kill. <laughs> <laughs> so I specifically gone with South Africa as the country uh, where all the teams are from. So this may be helpful for some people, may not be. And they're all Prem teams. So I'm just going to give you the animal. No details to follow it. And you have to tell me if that animal is associated with a prem rugby team in south africa bloody hell this has gone up a notch this is complicated loving this right so we'll start with cheetahs knock on knock Knock on on. knock on incorrect what What? incorrect no it's not associated with a uh, south african rugby team the prem bullshit isn't it well that's bullshit where have you had this info from right googling now (laughs) No, don't Google because you'll get the answer for stuff and you'll cheat. It might be a team that's in like oh, I don't she's know, backtracking now. The grassroots basics, but they're not in the Prem team. Okay? Let's go. Sharks. Knock on. Yeah, knock on. Knock on. Knock off. Mammal, correct. It's a knock on. The Natal Sharks. So the Sharks were founded in eighteen ninety in Durban. Uh, their top try scorer is Patrick Lambie. Pat Lambie, great player. Oh. I love that, right. Jody. Patrick Lambie, me and Batty and Goose, Pat Lambie, yeah. Yeah, Patty. <laughs> yeah, well, good old Patty, our busy mate. As if you don't know him. Get him on the pod. Get him on the pod. <laughs> Next we have Bulls. Ooh. As in bulls or balls? As in, like, As in the animal, because the animal theme. Oh, bollocks. Why would you call your team bulls? Well, I know, it, I couldn't make out. That's what it sounded like, <laughs> I mean, interesting mascot you're taking onto the pitch, wouldn't it? It's a dangling pair of testicles. (laughs) That's what the gonads can have. No. (laughs) We need to find a way of rebranding without having to spend a load of money on kit. The next team is Bulls. I'm going to say knock off. I'm going knock off. Knock on. Lucy, point for you. Yeah, nice. It's one all, Goose. Calm your baps. Hello, competitive Polly has come to play. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's the reason we won on Saturday, because I hate fucking losing. So the full name of Bulls is Vodacom Bulls. Uh, they were founded in 1938 in Pretoria, and their top scorer is Mornay Stein. Mornay Stein, nice. Stein, okay. Mornay Stein. I don't know these people. <laughs> Edit where I'm getting it wrong, then put in my best pronunciation. Then we have the Rhinos. Knock, Knock off. off. 
Knock on. Lucy and Mol, point for yourselves. Oh. How is there no team called the Rhinos in South Africa? Listen, Surely that's an obvious one. There was no cheaters. This is not a fair game. Yeah. The sharks, though, which is not really a land animal in South Africa, but it is what it is. <laughs> I hope it isn't. And the final one. This is decider between Molly and Lou, so you got to go the same oh, way. You're going to no. go off to the maze. Lions. Knock on. Knock off. Oh. oh. Knock on. Ooh. Molly, it's a knock on. Does that mean yes. I win? Yes, you've won oh, again. Oh, oh. Two weeks in a row. I'm not going to lie. I feel like this is the new winning streak now. That's it. If I win it, knock on, knock off. I'm gonna, we're going to win as crew. That's what it's got to be. Jodie, you've got to fix this now every week so that we win at rugby every week, you realise? And it will make me happy as well because then I can just pretend that I actually know what I'm talking about. Just give her the answers. Mm, Do you want yeah. some information on the Lions? Hit us. Yeah. So the full team name is Sigma Lions. They were founded in 1889 in Johannesburg and their top scorer is Elton Genchies. Oh, I wanted Genchies. you to call him Elton oh. John then. I really wanted it to be Elton <laughs> with his glasses and his piano. Yanchis. 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 Yeah. So yeah, Elton Yanchis. I saw Michael Jackson in South Africa. What the fuck? Random. <laughs> I did. Okay. From a really long way away, it has to be said. When I landed at Johannesburg Airport, he was flying in at the same time. On the next episode of Matt's saw... Random Geography Facts. Goes... <laughs> yeah. yeah. We also almost got arrested for stealing a life-size cutout of um, Francois Pinar from McDonald's in Cape Town. A hundred percent, Jodie doesn't know who that is. No. <laughs> you must know who Francois Pinar is, Jodie. Isn't he the train guy? The train guy? We're talking about rugby, Doris. You don't no. know who he is? No. Look him up. Okay. Very famous. This is Molly's Grassroots Salutes. Uh, grassroots salutes this week after our fantastic weekend at Exeter Saracens Rugby Club. We want to give them our grassroots salute this week because just the effort they all put in, how welcoming they were, the facilities, the showers. Oh my God, were the best showers I've ever had. They were actually warm, which is a tick. The water didn't stop running and they were incredible. And it was just an incredible weekend. The head coach of Exeter's team was so welcoming. The bar staff were great. It was just like, you know, when you feel like you're at a proper rugby club and it just felt like really just inclusive and and just like you were home. It felt like that. And we'd never been to Exeter's uh, rugby club before. And obviously gone at McKinder had come back to Exeter for ages. And she was like, you know, buzzing to speak to everyone, talk about the club and how far they'd come. And yeah, like Sarah and the gang just did a fantastic job. And I would love to play at Exeter for a crew game or, you know, it, it was just one of those clubs that are memorable and that you want to go back to. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Absolutely. I thought... Everybody, the spa staff were amazing. Like there's random spectators that I just got chatting to. Were great fun. Like loads of people watching. All of it was just fantastic. Although some of that cider has to be said wasn't the best. It was proper um, Devon cider, like the flat stuff. It, it was. Yeah. It would be nice if it was really cold. 
But when it's poured out of a watering can into your face after it's been in 30 degree heat for 10 hours, not That's the, the best. Devon way, though. That's how you do it hey, 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 hey. I think it had more to do with the fact that Batty had drank several pints of cider and that's going to have affected the taste buds. By several litres. Yeah, yeah, several <laughs> yeah. litres. It was a dark and, <clears throat> dark and unpleasant place the following day, it has to be said. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a topic for a time because I don't know whether it's because Exeter were just up there in their sort of club and it looked amazing. But what's like the difference between south and north? Are the clubs Ooh. just better down south? That could be a topic to discuss in future. In that future. is an interesting topic. We need to go around and visit some clubs, don't we? And it's massively different. We were talking experience. about on the bus uh, on the car on the way back about how much funding they get. Every time we went past a town, there was another rugby club. There was another rugby club. They were just like appearing everywhere whereas it's not quite the same up north well it's just different isn't it just different sports so when i lived in the southwest it was all rugby and cricket like there was no football like the football teams were few and far between really so your local rugby club is very much the hub of your community in the same way that a football club is here but in the northwest the football clubs are often much bigger and obviously prem and, and all the rest of it which makes them even bigger still in the southwest you get like a little village like Krukern, for argument's sake you know it's what a small town rather than the village i guess and the rugby club is the hub of the entire community. So people get married there. People have their christenings there. People play rugby from minis and juniors right through to, to vets. And it's very much a big family um, environment. And as a result, the quality of the play is quite different. And like I don't know, just people are, are much more... Is it fair to say they're friendly? I don't know because I don't... You know, the clubs have been to in the Northwest. I'm normally there as an opposition coach or player. And therefore, you know, the experience is a bit different perhaps, but... I certainly find that culturally rugby in the South is different to North. Yeah, the Southwest is like massive agricultural. We're all based around farms and one thing or another, and that's where a lot of like rugby players come from. And yeah, I'm just biased. We are a friendly bunch in the Southwest. It wasn't so much when I was growing up. It wasn't because women's rugby wasn't such a big thing back then because we're talking many, many years ago. But now when you go down, you say, Joe, like there's so much investment in rugby down in the South. That they're really, really bringing it on down there, which is just—it's just fantastic to see. Let's be honest, right? If you live somewhere like Exeter or Launceston or anywhere around that area, it's a pretty nice part of the world, isn't it? When you live in Crewe, no disrespect to the great people of Crewe, but the town itself—it's a shithole. It's a shithole. They've knocked it like, down now, though. Thankfully, is it really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 I hadn't, hadn't even noticed. It could have been hit by a nuclear bomb. I wouldn't. It have looks noticed. like it. There's nothing there. No, just have a visit exactly. one day just to make yourself feel better. Honestly, yeah, exactly. There's a sign saying "Crew twinned with Chernobyl." Well, everyone's graffitiing the uh, signs, weren't they? When they first put the "Welcome to Crew" up, they put the S at the front and the D at the end. <laughs> Welcome to Screwed. Yeah, it's like around the corner for me. There's a little avenue called Lunt Avenue, L-U-N-T. People keep graffitiing that as well. Which always <laughs> can I um do my grassroots salute to myself? No, you, no, no. you will you will appreciate this when i tell you guess what i did this weekend had a shower naked yep yes did you <laughs> yeah like, completely guess i think that's worthy of a grassroots salute i have played rugby for 19 seasons and never got naked in the shower i was that emotionally drained and just like fuck it i was like right stripping off i've got a five minute wash here i need to get cracking so i was like sod it the bras off oh and the pants so yeah, it was it. Was it. Thanks. Hey. <laughs> if we win, Latham gets a baps and flaps out. <laughs> <laughs> and how was the experience, Molly? Did you feel liberated? Did you feel I felt, violated? I, I felt very cold. 
<laughs> when I got into the ch- the actual change rooms, I'd got more of a nip on and felt more cold than when I'd gone into the shower because our showers are shit and not like Exeter's. But I thought that was worthy of a grassroots salute. Thanks, Matt. Definitely. Yeah, That's you amazing. cheered yourself when you got in the shower. You, like... <laughs> I know, but then I was just cheering myself. I was like, my boobs are clapping more than my hands. So it's just like, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, you need one of these as well for that, I think. Bend over. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Right, to wrap us up for the day, we've got a, a new section. Oh. And it's called Shit My Coach Says. Oh, God. Oh, so, we could be I was thinking this. The, what you used to say to us. Right, so we're only going to have one today, all right? But the reason I thought about this was there was me down in another part of the country that I've never been to before uh, watching Jarnold, or rather Peppercorn, coach. And um, listening to like coaches from other clubs that I've never been to before, and they all say the same shit. And I suddenly realised that I also say the same shit. And it suddenly struck me that does anybody even listen or care what we say? No. Um, no. You know, it, we all have our little <laughs> idiosyncrasies and our own little words and phrases we use on the sidelines. And I just yeah. thought, as a player, you must hear this shit all the time. It's so, just the same shit regurgitated over and over again. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So what's, what's one thing that one of your coaches says that you just cringe or just think, shut up? Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, fuck, that used to <laughs> irritate the piss out of me. <laughs> so let's give it some context. So how is that used, that? In a patronising, annoying, fuckwit way, like we're all dense. At the end of every sentence, does that make sense? Does that make sense? But then you find yourself as a coach picking up other people. So like I know that I say... Does that make sense? Even though I fucking hate it, that's one that's stuck with me for years and I, I, I really didn't enjoy it, but now I use it, so. Yeah, I can see that. So, like, Jodie, you're, you're in from the side and off your feet. Does that make sense? Does it make sense? Well, the thing is, it's pointless saying that because you just nod to shut them up and then you go to the next person, I don't get what that means. <laughs> so, can you explain that? <laughs> you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And usually it's Sherry, so you're having, like, a training situation. It's like, does everyone get that? And Sherry's like, no. And then, and then there's like a 20 minute explanation just for Sherry's benefit, by which point everyone's freezing cold. And at the end of it, she still doesn't get it. Mm. I get it because you kind of get people to pay attention. Because when you're coaching, when people are coaching you, you're not really listening. You are maybe, but you're a bit distracted. And when they ask the question, you respond then, you sort of wake yourself up. So I suppose it has its benefits. Totally. Yeah, I think I can definitely go in. I can hear myself saying it sometimes, and I do make myself cringe. Takes one to the face. Catches first, preferably, and then the drive. Ooh, full in the face. Look at this. Very definition of taking one for the team. Oh, my God. That is extraordinary. And the kick lands on the head, and offside is accidental. This is Every Team's Got One. Everybody has got one who is only in it for the social media. No, that's not what they're necessarily in it for. They love the rugby, but everything is about the social media. Social media whore. Yeah. Everything's a photo op. I must say, actually, I do cringe sometimes when I see a player that has turned up late, had an absolute shocker on the pitch, throwing the toys, generally sulked, and then a half an hour later, there's a picture on social media hashtag love my rugby fam hashtag this girl can 
It's like, no, you fucking can't. <laughs> oh, please say rugby were dead inclusive, but you shit at rugby. Yeah, you shit at rugby, right? Not only you shit at rugby, but like it's total bullshit, the whole thing. Yeah. If we actually videoed you in real life on the pitch, you know, squealing because you've just bent your fingernail back or shouting at the coach because you want to come on and you've been taken off. That isn't very Insta-ready, that kind of behaviour. No. But yet somehow it's choreographed to look at I mean, like part of me is only jealous because the photos that they ever seem to get of me, I'm pulling the weirdest faces. <laughs> Normally got my tongue sticking out. And yes. I just don't look Instagram worthy at all. So I'm only jealous that there just aren't nice photos of me playing rugby. But that's because you're playing. I'm not worried about what you look like on the pictures. How many bad photos are there me? Like, come on. And I've got another one from the weekend. Have you? <laughs> There's a great photo of you from the grassroots day where you've scored a try and you're taking your hair out. And you literally just do this because I'm worth it kind of pose. <laughs> you sort of flick your hair back. It was not for the camera at all. It was simply just to get your hair back in, you know, in its place. You know those films where the kind of bad guys or the good guys, they like blow something up and they just walk away from it in slow-mo. And just look, <laughs> like calling back over the shoulder at the devastation they've caused. This is, this is you. It just looks really funny. I have to I'll well, put it on put social some, media and um, it. What's it called on? Like some emotions and stuff on top with my pistol and my cowboy art. <laughs> um, yes. definitely leave it with me <laughs> can't wait thanks for listening to the very first episode of the new season episodes will be released on a bi-monthly basis and will follow the rhythms of the rugby season if you want to come on the podcast or have a great grassroots story you want to share please get in touch at grassrootswomen at hotmail.com don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Spotify just £4 helps us meet the cost of running the podcast to contribute, visit www.ko-fi.com forward slash grassroots rugby pod. There's an inevitable conclusion to this. A brilliant finish. This was Grassroots, women's rugby on the roots up. <laughs>